the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. As we head into Hour 3, it is a delight to do so with Brandon J. Weikert. You can follow him on Twitter at WeTheBrandon, author of several important books, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow Wars, book about Iran, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life, are in the pipeline. Brandon, uh, how how are things in Florida? How are you? Everything is great. How are you? Uh, I, we're we're excited here. I think it's going to be um, you know this this day before the election. Everyone's a little bit uh, a little bit on edge, but I think mostly the Democrats are on edge. I think I I think you wrote this morning on Twitter. It's going to be a tsunami. If I if I remember reading you <laughs> yes. right, what's your take? Yes. Yeah. Well, you know it's bad when the Democrats are out there making every excuse in the book and the election is not even over yet. And they're already talking about how really it's not a referendum on Biden. Every party loses majority uh, in an off-year election. Um, this is really uh, about, about the Republicans more effectively clouding the issue than the Democrats. It's about messaging. So the Democrats and their, their allies in the media are already building the case for why they lost. And this is something that the winning team normally doesn't do. Um, this is something that losers do. Yeah. And um, as a Republican, I can tell you this is something that our side is very good at doing um, most of the time. But this year it's different. We are galvanized. You know, the amount of people in Georgia, I was listening to MSNBC on the way back from the office just now on satellite radio. I listen to them so you don't have to. Um, I was just listening to them, and they were interviewing these people in Georgia. They interviewed probably seven people. And of those seven people, at least five of them said their main vote is to vote for change. Yeah. That is, and, and that right now means, as one of the voters said, Hey, look, I may not think Herschel Walker has the most experience, but I'm voting for change. And this year, that means voting for the GOP. And so that, I think, encapsulates. And then all the other issues, of course, economy, inflation, crime. And then it gets down to abortion, which is a meager meager 12 percent of voters care about that. So the Democrats, that's their only issue right now is this abortion thing. And it's not enough because people can't pay for anything. So all the social issues really quickly become subordinated to, as Bill Clinton said, it's the economy, stupid. And then even the social issues, what trumps the social issue here? Is it abortion or is it the fact that most of our schools are trying to put drag queen story hour, uh, you know, in, in front of kindergarten children and teach them these sexually explicit, completely abnormal, aberrant, you know, ideas for young people to believe in? Well, that's the issue. It's not the abortion issue. Even when that does galvanize people, it doesn't galvanize any more than the Democrats who are already inclined to vote for these failing Democratic candidates and policies. So that equals, in my opinion, a big victory coming in the store uh, for the Republican Party. But all of that will be for naught if the Republican Party 
cannot convert these electoral gains sets into real lasting legislative victories. And my concern is that, yes, we're going to sweep the election this year, but it's not going to lead to the kind of legislative victory. And that's my real concern here. Yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, there's several layers to that, I think. First of all, even if we win the uh, Senate and the House, and I I expect we will, um, the let people are going to look to Republicans because we have promised a lot, and yet there still is a Democratic president who can veto legislation. We probably won't right. have veto-proof majority. I mean, I, I just no. no one's predicting that. We're predicting what in the Senate uh, fifty-one votes to be sure. But now people yeah. are going even higher to fifty-four and fifty-five. You need you Hopefully. need more than that, right? You're going to need you, more you than need, that. You need so 60 votes. yeah, you need so 60 votes. yeah, so. Uh, it's, even if you get 54 in Mansion and Cinema, it's still not enough. Uh, so, not enough. so I think if that's one of the layers that 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 we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get our talking point and rhetoric right when we're going up against Joe Biden on this stuff, and hopefully go over the heads of the media and pressure the White House to either come on board or get the people to understand we could have had this, but for Democrats in the White House, so that we right. take that back in two years. Right. And, you know, if the Republicans pick their issues, if they, they prioritize things like energy production, if they prioritize things like, you know, actually reducing regulations and reducing things that will it help lower the cost of goods, if they prioritize these kind of, you know, kitchen table economic issues, and then they sprinkle in some social issues, notably the kind of combating this critical race theory, combating the uh, drag queen story hour, if they pick those issues carefully after they win, they will probably be able to have enough momentum going forward for 2024 to win. Because my concern is this, Seth, we're going to win 22 And then we're going to sort of drift because, of course, you're going to have Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell in the leadership. So ultimately, I don't know how much is going to get done. And then you have DeSantis versus Trump in the primary of 24. They slaughter each other. And that leaves the field open, just like 1912, where you had a three-way race between two mostly Republicans, Taft and then Roosevelt running as a third party, uh, versus Wilson. And Wilson would have lost if it had been a straight-up fight between the Republican and Democrats. But because the two powerful Republicans basically destroyed each other, that allowed for Woodrow Wilson to kind of slide into a, a, you know, his presidency. My concern is something similar is going to happen uh, in 2024 if we're not careful. We're basically just going to sort of destroy the two best Republican candidates, Trump and DeSantis, in this civil war. And that's going to leave it open for even a weak candidate like, say, a Joe Biden to sleepwalk back into the presidency. So we're going to have to really have a long-term strategy here. It's not just about winning tomorrow. We've got to convert into gains, real legislative victory that helps with most amount of American people as possible, that resonates with the most amount of American people, not just Republican voters, but those moderate Democrats, if there are any left as well. And then we've got to also maintain momentum going into 24. I hope the Republicans can do it, but, you know, I don't know. Every time you answer a question, you you, you raise 10 in my head. So that was a great analysis. <laughs> let, let, I, I want to unpack some stuff you said there, too, though. Um, f- before we get to the big kahuna issue of, of Trump and DeSantis, let, let's run down what it looks like with the Senate and House in Republican hands. You've mentioned drag, drag queen story hour, and, and that, I, I think you mentioned it, you, you, 
don't let me put words in your mouth, but when you raise that, it's raising a whole host of issues, really, isn't it? It's a whole host of issues. Yeah. Of it's, it's also the CRT. It's the sexualization of the kids. It's the transgender stuff in schools. F- fair enough. I mean, that that's, that's yeah. OK. Yeah. So I think uh, that's a bridge too far for most people. OK, so here's that's that's I, I'm glad you said that, because that's kind of where my question was going. I think there's about four kinds of voters in this country when it comes to those issues. Um, those that support it, and I think that's a small number, a small percentage, but there are there are advocates of it and defenders of it and supporters of it. I also think, Brandon, there's a, a lot of voters that have no idea what you and I are talking about. Probably not in the yeah. Republican Party, probably independents, probably Democrats. They have no idea what we're talking about. Then I think there's a slew of voters, probably Democrats mostly, some independents, who have heard about it but don't think it's that big of a deal and that we're exaggerating how bad it is. And then there's the person, the probably like you or me, probably mostly Republican, maybe a lot of independents that think it's just awful and horrible and how did we get yeah. here. But it's those categories that kind of don't think it's happening, don't know what we're talking about, and think we're exaggerating that I worry about, um, Brandon, yeah. and and – and I, I don't know how influential they are, but it does lead me to something House and Senate can do on a lot of these issues from the FBI weapon being political, politicized, Hunter Biden, just a whole host of issues, probably some stuff at the Department of Education, some CDC, COVID, Fauci stuff. We really should be doing hearings. And and I think if we do the hearings right and well, um, we did a little bit after the 94 wins. I, you know, it could expose a lot to that group of voters that doesn't quite know what we're talking about. And it could expose a lot more to that group of voters that knows what we're talking about but thinks we're exaggerating it because we're not. Yeah. Well, I certainly agree with you. But, of course, we have to be a little bit careful with hearings because I actually think we could probably get some legislation through okay. that will actually help to lower the price of things for most Americans. Okay. Well, that's a big that one. Hold will, it. I have to take a quick break. That, yeah. let, let's talk about that as well. The legislation we can get through that would lower the cost of living for Americans. Uh, I think I'm going into a break here, right, Bill? Yes, I'm going into a break. Brandon Weikert and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Brandon Weikert is our guest. Brandon J. Weikert is an author. He is a columnist with the Asia Times, the Washington Times, American Greatness, all the good publications. We'll bookmark just for a moment the issue of hearings that, that, that a Republican majority can handle at the Senate and the House when we win. Uh, but, Brandon, you wanted to say a few words about some economic legislation you think we could yeah. probably get through the way that yeah. maybe Republicans did with welfare and Clinton and capital gains exactly with right. Clinton. OK, go exactly ahead. Exactly right. Yeah, go ahead. So the, the, the key thing here is Republicans, unfortunately, are going to have to remember that we don't have the same kind of um, cultural depth or cultural capital, cultural political capital with the majority American voters that the Democrats did. The Democrats have controlled the media, academia, bureaucracy, the so-called deep state, the administrative state is what I prefer. They've had the, the reins of power there for about 80 years. So I think Bill Maher's right when he says most Americans are just predisposed to the Democratic Party's position, and they have to, the Democrats have to do a lot to really push those voters away, and they have. 
So my concern is that if we go too hot and heavy, <laughs> that's a funny line. Too, okay, go. Ahead. <laughs> yeah, it, it, my, my my concern is that we've gone too hot. If we go too hot and heavy in the at the, at the out of, at the outset of our victory, um, that with these with these these hearings, that we're going to turn off a lot of the people that I think we could probably win over if we just pushed a couple of pieces of legislation through, or that we proposed. And let the Democrats and let Biden say, no, we're not going to do it. That way we can paint the Democrats as the extremists that you and I know that they are. Um, I'm for hearings, but I'm just for a kind of a, an order of operations here. We've got to get at least one big economic piece of legislation through. Maybe not tax cuts, but certainly something that shows the American people that we're the party of practicality. We're not these crazy insurrectionists that the Democrats have been lying about us being, and that actually we're the party that's really interested in those kitchen table issues. And then from there we go into hearings. But I think that if we just pull the trigger on like dozens of hearings, yeah, it'll make all of us feel good, but it's probably not going to give us the results because I think American people are not going to be patient to see where those hearings go. Uh, most Americans are still not too sanguine when Republicans talk about election uh, theft going on. And you and I both know there was chicanery going on in 2020, but I think the average voter is just not going to listen to Republicans on this because they've been programmed for so long to believe Republicans are, you know, fascists, Nazis, whatever. So I think the first step needs to be we go hot and heavy with a conservative economic legislation, legislative agenda. We show the American people that this is how we're going to govern. We're going to actually govern and we're going to do things that are going to help your bottom line. And if the Democrats want to be in the position of saying, no, we're not going to do that, well, then let them and let them go on record with that. And let's show the American people going into 2024, we can't have a Democrat in the White House because they're going to keep sticking it to the working man and woman. And in the process of doing that, then we start going after them with very well-timed, very disciplined, though, hearings. We don't just start opening up hearings on everything under the sun. We pick two or three very important issues. We're not going to have the kind of leeway that the Democrats had going after Trump with, with Biden, but we can still do it as long as we're showing that we can govern at the same time or that we're trying to govern at the same time. And my concern, Seth, is that we're going to pick one or the other. Okay. It's got to be both, and it's got to be disciplined. Okay, I like that analysis, Brandon. Let me let me ask you for your analysis how you phrase or how you think about the latest uh, tactic that's been going on nigh a fortnight, I suppose, which is this whole um, unified theme, Barack Obama, uh, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, all of them, this, this unified theme that to vote for a Republican – is to risk democracy. Uh, Katie yeah. Hobbs out here said yesterday, the Democrat yeah. running against Kerry Lake, saying, I'll tell you why this is the most important election, because if the Republicans win, it might be the last election. I mean, they're yeah. really putting their... their James yeah, Clyburn doesn't whole... have a... He's not the most extreme. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Right, right. Um, I'm actually really surprised that they're not running with the abortion line, because that's really the line that's going to stick with people. This democracy thing is very relative, because if you were to ask most Republicans, is democracy on the ticket, they'd say, heck yes, that's why we're voting against the Democrats. Yeah, right, the Democrats right. Against, right. Barack know, Obama I mean, was so warning about political uh, right. prisoners. We're saying, heck yes, we have it right now. Right. Yeah, that's right. We right. have it. That's, that's right. right. So, you know, and, and, I, and so I think that that's a really pathetic and weak 
just as somebody used to do political consulting, I don't really understand what the Democrats are doing with that talking point. Yeah, you can get two former presidents, Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, to sing that tune, but ultimately those guys have to know that that's not a winning ticket. They have to know that, that they have to because they're actually successful politicians, especially Bill Clinton. He's got to know deep down this is a horrible talking point, that it's not going to do anything other than get the MSNBC viewer to vote Democrat, which they're going to vote that way anyway. The American people don't care about this. They care about one thing, their bottom line right now. And it's super expensive right now, and it's very difficult to make ends meet. Our kids are not going to have at this rate the same, at least the same quality of life, that lifestyle that we did. You try talking to a Gen Z or a millennial, I'm an older millennial, you try talking to a millennial or a Gen Z, a Zoomer, about buying a home today and good luck at 7 or 8% interest rates and climbing. And it's going to be at 10% by Q1, I think, of next year. So this is not a winning topic because, honestly, the American people are historically a very practical people. They want to be able to live the American dream on their wages, on their salaries, and they can't do it under Joe Biden and the Democrats. The Democrats are not even talking about these issues. They're talking about how great the economy is and how really it's a matter of perspective. Don't tell that to the working mom who's got two, you know, two jobs and she's trying to make ends meet. Don't tell that to the guy out here in Florida who's trying to help rebuild the community after Ian. Please. That's not going to win. And the Democrats can run with the stupid, divisive rhetoric all they want. It's not going to lead them the victory that they think it's going to lead them. And I don't even think deep down they think it's going to lead them there. They just want to set up Biden, I think, to become the most radical, you know, unhinged, governed by executive fiat president in his final two years in office that he could be. And I think that's really what this is about. They're framing half, at least half of the American voter as being terrorists on the level of al-Qaeda, and that January 6th is akin or worse, as, as Nadler once said, worse than 9-11 in Pearl Harbor. So, um, you know, this is setting up, I think they know they're going to lose, and I think this is setting up Biden to really become a quasi-autocrat. The real threat to democracy, of course, is from the Democratic Party, not the Republican Party, and that's the scary thing. That's the projection. Let me let me run down a few other things with you in this uh, in, sure. in, in, that I think is 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 going to be determined or talked about. Uh, well, de- yes, determined tomorrow and perhaps determinative of the future when we come right back. Let me put in a word for my friends at Y Refi as I do so. If you're concerned with stock market volatility, you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market. A portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like. With no surprises, you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose. No loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Interest compounded daily, paid monthly, no fees. It's a secure collateralized portfolio that Y-Refi is offering the investment in with a high fixed rate of return. What do I mean by high? Up to 10.25%. That's right, up to 10.25% rate of return. A due diligence-approved firm. Check out my friends at Y-Refi by going to investyrefi.com. The word invest, the letter Y-R-E-F-Y.com, or call them at 888-Y-REFI-34.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brandon Weikert is our guest. He is the publisher of the Weikert Report. He is the author of several important books, uh, two in the pipeline, one on Iran, one on China, currently winning space, how America remains a superpower, and uh, a columnist at uh, Washington Times, Asia Times, American Greatness, all the important uh, publications. Brandon, one other uh, series of of, books, of analyses that there's a ton of speculation on. Even tonight, there's been talk that Donald Trump is going out for an Ohio rally tonight on behalf of J.D. Vance. It'll probably be a huge rally. The speculation has been, the leaks have been, about Donald Trump possibly announcing his candidacy tonight. You had mentioned in the first segment, if 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 Trump and, and DeSantis run, uh, it will it'll be a you know, it'll be a, a decimating, a self-decimating bloodbath for the party. Do you think you're in Florida and you know, you know, these you know, this world. Do you think if Trump announces whenever he announces, whether it's tonight or in two weeks or three months, do you think DeSantis still runs even if Trump runs? Um, I think he's going to run. I I think he's I, I don't know for sure. I might he has to run no matter what he's got to run he cannot wait till 2028 that's a lifetime in politics and by then who knows what will be going on right. in the country right he's- and his successes are now i mean he's fresh in the right. mind now right right I mean, yeah right and in 2028 he won't be governor anymore right so i i my opinion is that even if he loses that's still a win he's still staying relevant in the eyes of the people so who what does it matter um, and, um, um, you know, I, I think that he should, uh, do I think Trump's going to run? I think he is. I don't know if he's going to announce. I think he will. And I think he's definitely going to run. Um, do I think DeSantis should be afraid? Honestly, my honest opinion is if he's afraid, I don't want him ever to run. Right. Because DeSantis right. is going to be the president possibly who's got to go up against Xi Jinping, who's got to go up against. You know, all these bad guys on the world stage. And if he's afraid of the reality TV star turned president uh, who's in his own party, as mean as Trump can be on Twitter or on social media, that's just part of the game, man. And uh, you better, you know, buck up or don't go. I will say I I am like 99 percent certain DeSantis is running because all the people and I know a lot of his top people in his orbit have now stopped talking to me. (laughs) Usually in. Which is usually indicative that they're getting ready to do something, and they're going to lay lay, lay low because they don't like the fact that I've been writing these articles in American Greatness saying you got to run yeah. now, now, now. Do not wait. Yeah. Um, and so my opinion: he's going to run. He's going to run no matter what, and he shouldn't be afraid of losing. It doesn't matter. Reagan lost twice. Who cares? It's a really good point, but it's also historically new to us. We don't – I mean, obviously, we don't have an ex-Republican president wanting to run again in our history. Uh, and uh, Theodore Roosevelt, but he formed a new party. And we don't have – we don't have a sitting Republican president much challenged by other Republicans. We've seen this with Democrats. Reagan against Ford, I suppose, comes to mind in 76 – but we, this is kind of virgin territory for us, a DeSantis-Trump kind of battle. It's it. Who knows what that looks like? It probably ends up disappointing a lot of people in the Republican Party. I think it could deflate the party, honestly. I, that, I, so yeah, go ahead. I think it'll. I think I think it'll be like a a hyperspeed version 
uh, the rivalry between Mitt Romney and Newt Gingrich in 2012, which certainly did not help our party when it went up against the Obama and Democratic war machine and their vast wealth. Um, So I think it's a big problem that we're facing because I think DeSantis has to run. I think he's allowed to run. We live in a free country and our party, you know, I think he's allowed to do that. And I think it's great he does it because there's a lot of positives with him. I like Trump. I supported Trump. I was one of the earliest public Trump supporters, and I lost a lot of friends and business opportunities in the Republican Party because of it. But I don't care. I supported Trump. But at the same time, you know, I recognize that Trump's not always right, and he's not always going to be the guy we need or want. So we should be cultivating these other figures. And if DeSantis loses, and so what? But the concern that I have, and this is where Ronna McDaniel, and this is where the RNC National Party has to come in, the concern that I have is that, yes, a DeSantis-Trump fight is going to split the party on the eve of going in against the Democrats. Even a weak candidate like Biden or Kamala Harris then would likely have a better shot if the Republican Party was split and damaged like that. And certainly if it's Gavin Newsom, we'd have to watch out. Good. Are you good for a couple more segments or uh, I have to take Yeah. A, okay. Yeah. Uh, great. I, yeah. I, I have to take a commercial break. When I come back, I'd love to ask you about surprises uh, that you, you, you think we should be on the lookout for. Uh, Brandon Weikert is our guest. Do you think we'll win the governorship in New York? Do you think the Colorado uh, seat will shift? Um, I'm Seth Liebson. He's Brandon Weikert. We'll come back with some potential surprises when we come right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brandon Weikert is our guest, publisher of the Weikert Report, author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. Brandon, it's fair to say, I think it's fair to say, uh, about two months ago, three months ago for sure, we didn't think the Senate was in play. Is it fair to represent that we both now think it's it's the smart bet that Republicans get the Senate? Um, That's an interesting uh, change over the last three months. Yeah. Um, but what we other- would have had the Senate? We would have had the Senate in 2020 if former President Trump, with all due respect, yeah. didn't go off the deep end, angry over the. And I get it, but you know he really, he really kind of hurt those two candidates who were already weak. Yeah, uh, maybe we end up being. In I, I think almost I, yeah, every sober analyst says that. I, yeah. I, I'm with you on that. Um, yeah. The uh, the the 2021 uh, uh, race in Georgia yeah. For, yeah. Uh, is yeah. is what we're speaking about. I I don't think there's any any serious critique of that analysis. Uh, so but I agree I with you on that. We have two better candidates now. I yeah. think we have two better candidates. So maybe that two year or year and a half in the wilderness might have been good for us. By the know. way, on that point, on that point, you know, you were making a, a reference in the last segment about where 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 Trump might be for 2024 and where the Republican Party might be in 2024 vis-a-vis Trump versus DeSantis. The landscape has changed, and there were an awful lot of people. In 2016, you were an early Trump supporter. I was, too. I, I don't know if you or I were there first, but I know we were both really early um, in, in supporting Trump. But an awful lot of people supported Trump. 
um, even though they were nervous about his conservative credentials because they knew he was the only guy that could beat Clinton, Hillary Clinton. Right. And right. and that that will have changed, too, probably by 2024, yeah. probably, hopefully <laughs> by yeah. 2024. The 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 the, the, the ground war may be a get, wanting, you know, a, a time-tested conservative, articulate conservative, pure conservative like Ron DeSantis up against nonsense like Biden and Kamala, who does not have the fear and specter of a Hillary Clinton. They're just not as right. good as – they're just not as strong and powerful as Hillary Clinton no. was. You know, no. uh, David Galerter said that for many people, yeah. Donald Trump was the empty gin bottle we threw through the – the window. I get that. Um, that may not be where we are 2024, thus pushing more towards DeSantis. Maybe. I mean, there's a I lot. Always, of... I always say, first of all, uh, Donald Trump will be where he always has been, living rent free in the minds of liberals, yep. no matter where he is. Second of all, I Dan uses uh, the, the, the bottle reference. Yep. I use the battering ram. Yep. Trump was the yep. battering ram yep. that was meant to breach the doors of the, the gilded doors of our elite and put our people and policies in power. But now that, that, that battering ram may be getting rusted and a little dulled. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and that's not a put down on Trump. It's, it's, it's not. It's just, you know, different. Everyone has their talents. Weapons. Yeah. 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 Everyone right. has their areas so of expertise. Need, you know, we need, and if, and if Trump does win, he cannot put DeSantis as number two because they will never trust each other, especially if they have a bitter rivalry in 24. And it may so be constitutionally put, barred. I mean, you may not be able to have. It might be. Yeah. It might be. Might be. But he right. has to put Kerry Lake. He yep. has to, it has yep. to be. If Trump's so, the nominee, someone... hands down, has got to be Kerry Lake, who I love, and I'm very jealous that you guys in Arizona get to have her. We've been jealous wonderful. of you. We've been jealous of you for the past four years with Ron DeSantis. We're just now catching up. We're just tying our shoes, brother. We're getting our or or what would be the uh, uh, what would be the uh, analog with Carrie Lake? We're putting on our flats and high heels. I don't know, That's but right. you take That's the right. point. You take the point. What what surprises do you think might might eventuate uh, after tomorrow? You think maybe Governor of New York is that a potential one? I you know I don't know because that state is so jacked up. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but then again, I lived in Virginia for so long, I never thought it'd go red again. And sure enough, there it goes. So, By the way, sorry to interrupt you, Glenn Youngkin oh, yeah. has become much more impressive than I ever thought he would be. Absolutely. I thought he Absolutely. was going to be a George H.W. Bush you. Republican. He's I, not. You know, He's I not. Saw him wearing, I saw him wearing that jaunty ascot when he was sworn in, and right. I was thinking, yikes. Uh, yikes. But you know what? He... He did it. He's yeah. doing it. Yeah. Um, and I'm hearing, I'm hearing from from mutual friends of ours who are in the know in Charlottesville and down in Richmond, saying that there's real talk. He might be putting his hat in the ring in 24. And while I don't think he would win, that's a that's a very competent and good guy there who I would love to see get. It's an increasingly shot. great bench for us and an increasingly embarrassing one for the Democrats. The only one to watch out for, in my opinion, right now, there's three. Okay. Gavin Newsom, uh, Michelle Obama, and Hillary Clinton. Hillary's going to be way too old and sclerotic. Uh, she'll probably have the same problems that Biden does, but to a lesser degree. Um, they, uh, it'll be, it would be great, though, if it was Hillary versus Trump again. Um, the, yeah, Michelle, it would be. That would be fun. Michelle yeah. scares me, uh, scares me a lot in more ways than one. Um, but, but Gavin Newsom really, I think, would be the ideal Democrat contender. You and I have spoken about this yep. before because he really represents 
the future of the Democratic Party and what they believe in, which is lockdown mania, yep. terrible economic practices and policies, high gas prices, sticking it to the working man and woman. Um, whereas an alternative to him is Ron DeSantis on our side. Yeah. That'd be a great battle, the battle of governors, California versus Florida. Totally. What a better battle for the future. But, you know, those are the three Democrats that scare me most honestly right now. And you and I have always disagreed on one of them, Michelle. I've just never thought she wanted the the political criticism. I just, but you I know, didn't who either knows? Until this year, yeah. I didn't. Think, I, so every year this came up from 2012 to now. Until now, I always said that she'd be a fool. She's got billions of dollars. Yeah. She's, you know, a rock star. But now I think there's this like this cultural and social pressure being put on her from within the Democratic Party elite that, hey, you've got to be open to this because yeah. you're our savior. Yeah. And she's really the only one that could really destroy Trump or DeSantis because she herself has that celebrity yeah. kind of, yeah. you know, touch that Trump had. Um, even DeSantis, his one weakness is he doesn't have that celebrity Pe- touch People say that, that it's very hard Barry for... Lake has it, though. Yeah, people say it's very hard for people like us to understand the pull uh, that Hillary has with uh, female Democrats, that she is a rock star despite all her flaws. It, we will never understand it. What you're right. saying is right. Michelle has that and then some. She has more than that. Right. And and that's a very right. good point. Let me take a quick uh, break, uh, do our last segment, if you uh, if you will. I would like okay. you to make a closing argument to vote Republican for tomorrow. It's our short segment, uh, just a couple minutes. Absolutely. What would you tell independent-minded voters or fence-sitters? I'm Seth Leibson. He's Brandon Weikert, and he's going to make the pitch for the Republican Party in just a moment. Brandon Weikert has been our guest, as he is every Monday. If you don't have his book, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, get it. It should be a template for a Republican majority pushing defense and foreign policy issues. Um, Brandon, uh, what's your closing argument? You're not running for anything, but what would your closing argument be the night before the election? Why to vote Republican up and down? Uh, I would make the Big Lebowski, Walter Sochak argument. It affects us all, man. Yeah. Uh, basically, <laughs> the, everybody everybody's affected by the economy, and the economy is quantifiably the worst it has been since Jimmy Carter darkened the doors of the White House with his presence. It's worse than Carter. So if I, I don't know how any Amer- most Democrats I know don't even like Carter's presidency. They like Carter. They don't like Carter's presidency. So what I would say is if you want in the next few years to have a real chance at getting things that are more affordable, if you want toilet paper to not be expensive, if you don't want to be paying half your paycheck for fuel for your car, if you want to have lower prices of good and get back to that pre-2020 style of economic existence, you got to vote Republican because the Democrats have had two years to really, and really, if you count the 2018 victory, yep. they controlled Congress. Yep. They really had four years to shape the economy. And every time that they've had the opportunity, they have imposed policies that have made everything worse and more onerous, not on the wealthy, on the working class men and women. And they've made more working class men and women poorer, not richer. Yep. And their policies have done more damage. And so if you want to stop the bleeding, 
and you want to have a shot at getting back to the way things were just four years ago, for the love of God, put aside whatever issues you have with the GOP, if you're a fence sitter, and just hold your nose and vote this time and give them a chance. Give them two years, and let's see where we are in two, two and a half years. That's great, Brandon. That's really well done. Also, we'll get more urban achievers, and we won't have to roll on Shabbos. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You're the best, Brandon, and thanks, <laughs> thank for, you, uh, thanks for your time and brain and scholarship and everything you do for our movement and, uh, and our country. Uh, you educate our country. This country needs great teachers. Most of them happen not to be in the universities. Brandon is a great teacher, and uh, I do expect um, that if we do have hearings um, on various issues, you'll probably see a lot of Brandon on uh, C-SPAN and probably a lot of Brandon testifying in front of those uh, foreign and defense committees as well he should be. Until tomorrow, folks, God bless you all. We'll have a lot for you. It'll be an interesting day tomorrow. I'm Seth Leibson, and until then, God bless and class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.